Hey there, Pounders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 44 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Charlie O. Charles here with me, and we are going to be having a very serious talk about the San Antonio Spurs. This is not the kind of conversation that I would prefer to have. But before we get into it, before I do something that I've never done in my in this now my 10th season of running Pounding the Rock, I've never called for a player to be traded. And that streak is going to end today. And the worst thing is, I like the guy. I want him to do well. But before we talk about who that is, Charlie, how you doing? I am great, other than the topic of this uh, podcast. <laughs> so it was... It was uh, earlier today. I was setting up this uh, this conversation with Charlie, and uh, we've been going through talking about this issue, this player, for most of the season. And so, when we knew that we were going to have this call, and we had it all set up and timed out, he texted me. <laughs> you texted me. So, uh, what do you want to talk about? What did I say? You know what I want to talk about. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, I like the guy. <clears throat> I love Pop. Okay, he coaches each individual as an individual. This is mm-hmm. this is one of the first things that I talked about when I relaunched Superfluous Poppycock earlier this season. Leo Clark and I talked about how amazing Pop is and being able to do this. But the the main issue the team is dealing with is defense. Good defense comes from cohesion. When teams are on the same page, when the team is playing for each other, good defense flows out from that. And that is something that Pop preaches all the time. You did a series earlier in the summer, Charlie, about the defensive philosophy, the offensive philosophy, the coaching philosophy of the Spurs and the way that they proselytize the way that they essentially evangelize this method of coaching the way that the Spurs system everything that it's built on and that's something that he talks about frequently am I right oh absolutely the the series that we did looked at some of the coaching conferences coaching clinics they had done in in Europe um, for hundreds of coaches and they talked uh, coach Popovich coach Boylan coach Messina talked over and over again about how they depended on each other, the players depended on each other. And defense especially, the system doesn't work if there's a weak link that can't hold up, can't meet the requirement. And that's essentially what we have uh, with the Spurs this year, is a system that cannot survive because there are uh, too many, and, and one in particular, a weak link that just fails time and again. And so it's it's hard to point fingers at this point because we're not in practices. Mm. We're not in coaching sessions. We're not on the floor. We are viewing this as fans. And it's come clear to me in my mind, this is the way that I feel about things. This is when I watch the team, the issue that flows out. And because I've watched the team so closely over so many years, as a fan, I take a look at the problem and it seems to have coalesced in my mind that we really are looking at a lot of this springing from a single player. LaMarcus Aldridge is not that player. (laughs) 
but he's a big part of my of of our understanding of a before and after at least. Lamarcus has played good defense before. Lamarcus has tried hard. He has been the anchor on good, if not excellent, defensive teams. Lamarcus's defense this year, I don't put at Lamarcus's feet because I've seen him play well before, and he's not. It's a it's a team wide issue that we're dealing with, and I believe the issue is the player that it comes down to is DeMar DeRozan and the fact that he only plays consistently hard. He only puts consistent effort into one side of the court, and that's on offense. And when you have a player, one of the best players on the team, one of the best two players on the team, you might want to say the best player on the team right now, who only plays hard on one side of the court, then you have... The, a system that's breaking down. And then eventually everyone on the team is going to be faced with this decision. Do I continue to play hard when it, when it yields nothing? Because as I play for the other players on this team, I'm getting let down as I'm going above and beyond, as I'm putting in effort, I turn around and I see no effort being put into it by by my teammates and I and, and and in my mind as I watch as I've watched the poor defense from DeMar as I've watched not just poor defense poor effort sometimes no effort and especially no help at times when he's in the position to help and this all came to to a head in the game on Wednesday against the Wizards in Washington, D.C. in that one play that I asked you to tweet <laughs> from the third quarter. Do you have the, do you have yeah. the time stamp on that? Yeah, it's just uh, about 3.55 to go. The Wizards come down the court, and uh, Bradley Bill runs a double drag. Um, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas and Rui Hachimura set screens, staggered screens at the top of the key. And Beal crosses over those going right to left, forces a switch. Rudy Gay switches mm-hmm. off of Hachimura onto uh, Bradley Beal, and Demar takes Hachimura as he rolls to the rim. Um, Beal's great; he gets uh, Rudy to bite on a, a fake of a step back, and oh, it was a nice little, a nice little fake, yeah. And and Rudy really didn't was. really go for it either. He took a little half step forward. It's all <laughs> Beal needs. He's so fast. And it was just enough. And he got a little space to his right. Uh, DeJounte Murray wasn't quite where he needed to be in help position, so he was able to split the gap. But the thing is, DeMar's waiting literally in the restricted area. Already. He's standing practically just to the side of the path that Bradley Beal's going to take. Really is. Really is. We'll put this on a, on, on the post for the for the podcast on, on the site. We'll put this tweet there where you can see. W- what move does DeMar make? towards trying to defend the goal from a from Beal coming at him. Oh, he makes no move to try to defend. If anything, I think he kind of backs up a half step. Well, he he back he, he backs up. His hands go up as if, "Oh, if I knew <laughs> what to do, where he was going, I could he he uh, said he does everything but roll out the red carpet." Absolutely. 
and it's and an as easy I'm walking, layup. <laughs> and it's it's an e- it's an easy what what you would call uncontested layup. Mm-hmm. Rudy takes the ball out of the net and turns and looks at his buddy and gives him a look. That's a glare. Okay, he glares at him, and and Demar looks away and scratches mm-hmm. his nose. It's not a, hey, I'm going to take the ball out. Hey, you're standing right there. Hey, I'll inbounds it. There's no wizards around. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to wait at all. And Rudy just looks at him. Damara looks away like, you're going to throw the ball to me or not? Are you going to, I mean, we're going to do the offense thing now, right? And I sat there and I went, oh, no. Because that, that there was so much contained in that look. Oh yeah, it was disappointment. It was a borderline disgust. He just he looked fed up with that kind of um, malaise um, on the end of the court that has been the problem. You know, the six game losing streak coming into this game, um, they're fighting to try to turn that around against a Wizards team that hasn't been very good this year. And all they need to do is put forth a concerted effort for forty eight minutes. And, and in that situation, DeMar can't even be bothered to swipe at the ball, to try to or, contest. Or to even to jump and hold his hand out in case. Mm. I mean, like you said, DJ wasn't quite in the place that he needed to be. He moves over for it and then realizes, ooh, I'm just going to make mm-hmm. this matters work here. I'm just going to foul him. So he pulls his hands back. But DeMar just stands there. He doesn't jump. He doesn't move over. He doesn't. He doesn't put his, I mean, there's nothing that happens there. Rudy looks at him and it reminds me of is Tim Duncan. When Tim Duncan would finally had it with Richard Jefferson, this this is going to be, this is going to be just a couple of weeks before, before Jefferson was finally traded uh, Kawhi Leonard's rookie season. Right. Mm -hmm. And And it had been a long ongoing experiment to try and get Richard to work. And he never worked in San Antonio. He talks about how he never worked in San Antonio, how it was a a tough environment for him. How, But I mean, he just didn't get it. There were things that we have seen players come in and in their second and third game from other systems come in and do and get and do and do well. And, and Richard just, <laughs> it was beyond him. It was beyond him for some reason. And, and, and they had worked with him the previous season. They worked with him this season. And Tim was, Richard had done just a boneheaded play. And, and I, I remember seeing Tim Duncan stand on the side of the court about to inbound the ball. And he was on the same side as, as Pop was. And he turned to him and he held his hands out like, what, 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 what? What am I going to do? And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that Tim Duncan had actually, I mean, he might as well have yelled at him. (laughs) Chris Chris Paul (laughs) yelling at DeAndre Jordan when when he just needed to go take the ball back up because the game wasn't over. Uh, He'd jump it up and down and throw it a little hissy fit. It it spoke louder than that did to me Mm. because of how big a deal it was for him to essentially show somebody up like that. It was so subtle. But when you know Tim, you know he's always mm. for the guy, always helping out. I mean, like with Jeff Ayers. Jeff Ayers had a had a had a bad game at one point. It was practically coming off at the end of the game in tears with his head down and Tim's got an arm around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we 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 did a post on it at the time, Michael Erler uh, videoed 
straight off the, the TV and sent it to him. And he's like, I got to write about this. That That's who Tim is. And for him to be able to, for him to do that and, and look at, and look at pop in the moment, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. This was, this was about at that point for Rudy. And you reminded me like they're boys, right? Yeah. Right? yeah Tomorrow's Rudy's boy. They go back for him to get to that point where he's like, well, you're going to leave me hanging. I mean, then he, my guy got past me and you're just going to stand there. You're not even going to. And that's really what it comes down to for me. The play is the tip of the iceberg. You and I have been putting off talking about this, putting off writing about this since Mm. the beginning of the season. What it means for this team, the defensive malaise that is the issue on this team, I believe comes from DeMar's status as one of the best players on the team. The fact that he's not being called out, probably because Pop can't, we're speculating, right? Probably because Mm. Pop can't call him out because he won't be called out and won't allow himself to be called out. It drills down to the fact DeMar has to go. His lack of effort on defense has destroyed this team's ability to play for each other. And a team of people only playing for themselves is doomed. Yeah, there's no question. I think... um... I'm going to double down on what you said about pop coaching individuals and the best way that they, he knows how to coach them. And that's unique and tailored to each individual. And he feels clearly that that calling out DeMar is not a productive way to get him to play better. And, and if you, if you accept that premise, then this is what we're going to get from DeMar. And if this is all we're going to get out of him, then we need to get out of the DeMar DeRozan business. It's just not effective, not working. They're not winning. And he had on offense a terrific game against Washington. He, uh, I got some stats here. He is an incredible offensive player. I understand the um, popular conversation around Demar focuses around um, mid-range jumpers and and him not being efficient. But he's putting up one point three seven points per possession in transition, one point oh seven in isolation, uh, which is fourth in the That's league. Good for isolation. Yeah, it really is fourth in the league for players who've done it more than forty times this year. A 0.97 points per possession as the pick and roll ball handler, which is eighth for people who've done it more than a hundred times this year. That's those are great numbers, and they're indicative of what he's capable of. He really can break down a defense. He's become a much better passer in his time in San Antonio than he had it ever, ever at any point before in his career. He really can drive an offense. For the Spurs, though, given their other defensive limitations, that is essentially irrelevant. Because the team is not struggling to score the ball. That's right. DeMar makes scoring easier. DeMar makes offense easier. He's not a part of all of the great Spurs offensive five-man units, hmm. but he does make it easier because he's got such gravity because he's he's really exerting himself and not just settling for mid-range jumpers over this last stretch of games as the Spurs mm-hmm. have been trying to get off the schneid. But if he won't play defense, the team won't play defense. Like the Marcus has played hard on D since he's come to San Antonio. This is a this is something that I was concerned about, talked about in some of the first episodes of Superfluous Poppycock when we launched it a couple of years back. I was concerned about his lack of defense and what was you know the knocks on him. He didn't want to play the five. He he didn't play defense hard. He has played tough defense. 
in his career in San Antonio for pop. But, but these first games of the, of this season have been the worst defense I've seen from him. And it's not an isolated incident. It's over and over. He's not showing on screens. He's laying back. You say that the Paugus, the Paugasal Memorial, big man <laughs> <Drop>. defensive scheme. <laughs> It's 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 comical because of how poorly Pau Gasol played the pick and roll, how poorly how even seemed to show effort. And the Marcus is in that category right now. But I have to put that on DeMar's laziness, not on LaMarcus, because we've seen it from LaMarcus before. So if it's from LaMarcus and we know we can play it and he's playing, so he must be healthy then it's something systemic. And if it's systemic, then we're looking around for an answer. And that's what I've been doing this season. And Wednesday night, in that third quarter of that Wizards game, Rudy turning to him and looking at him, it just jumped off the screen at me. And I was like, it's DeMar. Yeah, I think, and it's important to distinguish between the players like DeMar, whose like physical limitations uh, keep them from being outstanding defenders. Patty and Bren are too small. They they literally cannot contest a lot of the shots. They're in position to defend because they they aren't tall. They got short arms. They can't jump. Um, and and Demar has limited um, lateral agility. He's not quick changing directions at all. Uh, you get him going up the court, and he's got to turn around and try to get back down the court with a ball handler, and he's out of the play. That stuff's bad enough, and I can see how that. Uh, can take a team out of their defensive mindset. But the stuff that's really poisonous is where he just doesn't try. And I I don't think you can find that with any other player on the team uh, anywhere near the level you'll find with DeMar. I've got clips from every game this season of him handing out points. And I've not yet seen before the Wizards game the kind of um, visible reaction that Rudy gave. But it's got to build up. It's got to become a problem because – that makes them lose games. Could have said it better myself. We're going to take a quick break for sponsors, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about defense, talk about the rest of the players and the way they play defense, and talk about where we go from here. All right, Pounders, thanks for sticking with us. This is J.R. Wilco talking with Charlie O'Charles, and we're talking about what what we hope is, unfortunately, the end of DeMar DeRozan's career in San Antonio, at least the way it's been up to this point. Hmm. And Charlie brought up an excellent point before the break about the way that players play defense, that the elite have all the skills. They have excellent lateral movement. They've got quick, strong hands. They've got an incredible reaction time their response rate their their all of those things are so dialed in anyone who's lacking any of those skills can still be a very good maybe sometimes a great defender bruce bowen didn't have all of those skills but they have to have the willingness to get in there and mix it up and what you said about tomorrow is an excellent point even when he's on offense he doesn't do change of direction incredibly well that's why he's got his uh, modified version of the Euro step that he uses uh, to good effect hmm. to fake a guy in and bring his arms up and initiate contact. And that's, that's, that's a guy working within his limitations, working with the tools that he has 
to be able to still be successful. I want to contrast the lack of effort that we're seeing from him with another player that uh, I had a real hard time coming around to because there was tons of hype from him in the G League, tons of hype from him, coaches talking about how how great he was going to be, how good he was, all from practice sessions, all from scrimmages, all in off the court. And every time he stepped on the court, to my eyes, I was like, it doesn't matter what he does off the court. If he never hits a three in a game, I can't support that player. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Not yet, but I'm entertained Brim. by your description. <laughs> it was Brim Forbes. Oh, Brim gosh. Forbes. In the G League, he would go off. Brim Forbes in Summer League, he would go off. And I'm like, so? So? Doesn't matter until he actually hits a three in the NBA. And uh, in his rookie season, he went off. I think it was in Dallas. And I was uh, out with my kids. We were camping. We're, we're literally in such a boony part of uh, of Texas that there's no cell service. We're down in this valley. We're all the way. Like, there's no technology. There's 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 no cell service. There's no internet. So I'm like, can't get anything. And so when I came back, people were telling me, <laughs> Bryn went off. And I'm like, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was one game, one game. I missed the one game. And so still in my mind, I was like, he's never, and of course, you know, anybody could do something in one game. Uh, I mean, we've got, we've got all kinds of, all kinds of, I mean, Derek White went for 36. I, I, I remember that very clearly. Mm. Anyway, so, and, and he'll do it again. He will do it again, Derek, I believe in you. But the point is that, uh, that he just wasn't performing in the games. And it wasn't until his second season early on, he got thrown in there, right? DJ had his, Shante mm-hmm. had his, uh, his injury. White had his, had his deal. And so Bryn was thrown in there and you could still see him. He was so in his head. And then something happened around the second or third game of the season and it was it was a it, like they they were trying to come back from a deficit, and he just went off from inside, from outside, from mid range, and I was like, "This is what I've been waiting to see." And it was he stopped thinking about it, he just started performing. But I still I was like, "All right, well, he's got an offense, but the dude's gonna have to play defense." And so many boneheaded plays, and so many he was he was building his database of figuring out, and he gives effort Bryn Forbes plays hard on D I won't ever gripe about his defense because he's playing to the utmost of his abilities same yeah. with Patty Mills like you said he's going to get out there he's going to go chest to chest with some guy he's going to do his little Tasmanian devil routine he's gonna he's gonna steal and inbounds oh man take it straight up he that it's, that's two inbounds for the last three games it's not two out of two is it I don't know. I honestly thought you were talking about at the end of the fourth quarter when he got that deflection that went off uh, Beal out of bounds and stole a possession. It was magical. That's the kind of stuff you get from Patty um, that doesn't make up for his limitations, but but gets dang close. But here's the thing. He's out there giving it full effort on both sides. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would cut DeMar the exact same break that I cut Patty, the exact same break that that I cut Bryn, if there was effort. But the effort is not just inconsistent, it's often widely non-existent. And, and that's why I'm coming down on this. That's why 
I I really want to see him traded. How many plays can he not even try on defense without getting called out? Is there a number to reach before Pop just snaps? Does is is the Spurs front office already heating up the phone lines? Your best offensive player not playing D is going to sentence the team to being a poor effort club. It just will. Yeah, I don't understand how you can preach consistency, which has been a Spurs mantra for as long as Coach Pop has been there, and not honestly mm-hmm. stretching back before then, um, and not bench DeMar when he makes those plays. Maybe not for long, but it, but it's got to happen. Um, he can't just continue. He played 39 minutes against the Wizards. 39 minutes. It's led the team, and he's not trying on key defensive possessions. That, that's just uh, unconscionable. I don't think that... Um, marries up very well with the ethos of this team. And I think when you have that kind of disconnect, when the the very core values of the team are at odds with the way a player conducts themselves on the court, it's time to move on. And we both love DeMar uh, as a player. He seems like a great person as well. I wish him the best. I want him to succeed, but I think he needs to succeed elsewhere. If he's able to go to a team where his inconsistent effort on defense doesn't poison the, the entire squad the way it seems to have done in San Antonio. I, I think that team can be successful. The issue is he the role he plays in San Antonio is so high profile that there just doesn't seem to be any possible way to reconcile these issues. The, the long-standing non- effort non trying as hard as he can that's visible on the screen in front of us over and over and over and this is the kind of thing that that we can document the kind of thing that you could do an entire post on that we've been holding off on hoping that things would come around hoping that we wouldn't go to this level but i'm 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 i love the guy i love his openness and his honesty about the the issues that he's struggled with depression about the the, the way that he he talks about being in the limelight, being under the lights, being so visible, uh, the way he handles himself and the way he came over after being traded when he wanted to stay in Toronto, all of those things. Mm-hmm. I even give him a pass as far as when he's having a bad offensive game. The guy's trying on offense. How could we bust on him? It's not like he wants to miss shots. That's right. But this is different. This is about effort. And when a team loses so many games in a row, everything is under a microscope. And this is the this is the elephant in the room. Right? This is this is the stink in the house that everybody's ignoring. And I just can't ignore it anymore. Yeah, I've essentially held off on writing a playbook about how bad DeMar's defense has been um, all year. That's 15 games. Could have written one after every game. Um, I don't generally enjoy critiquing players. I much prefer to celebrate the incredible things they do and try to understand how it all works. Um, But we're at a point where we need to point the microscope at um, these breakdowns, the, the plays where somebody just gives up and and we got to seriously ask why that continues to happen and and really wonder about the repercussions on the team 
Um, if they continue their downhill slide, it will almost certainly be because of the impacts of exactly what we're talking about right now. The Spurs are currently the coldest team in the league on a seven-game losing streak. The only team in the West that has won fewer games. The Spurs are the decimated Golden State Warriors. The teams that are closest to the Spurs in in record that have played them recently, the Blazers and the Grizzlies, both also only have five wins. Both also have gotten one of those five wins against the Spurs. The Spurs are a net negative 2.7 points per game against their opponents. They've won one of their last nine games. And it's defense. The team is scoring. The team almost scores regardless who's on the floor as long as it's not that initial five-game, five-man starting unit that the, the, the... that Pop ran with for the first 14 games of the season, except for the back-to-backs when he gave DeJounte the night off. This is not San Antonio Spurs ball. This is not the team that played last season, won 48 games and made the playoffs and gave Denver a run for their money. This is a team that is struggling to beat teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Washington Wizards are tied with the Knicks, Pistons, Cavs, and Hawks for the fewest wins in the East. And the Spurs couldn't put them away. I have, I, as I watch these games, I have zero confidence. I think Charlie Thaddeus wrote about this in a what we learned post the other day. I have zero confidence of watching, seeing the team need a defensive stop and feeling like, all right, just come together, just get a stop guys because I've watched them give up points, hemorrhage points all season long. It doesn't matter how important the, the possession is. I expect there to be a breakdown. There's been breakdowns all season long. Do you happen to look up their net rating in the clutch? It's not going to help. Let me have it. Negative 43.3, which is, as you would guess, the worst in the league. By what kind of margin? Uh, Golden State's in there around negative 39. They're worse than Golden State in the clutch uh, when they're defending. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Bad. Why do you bring me these stats? it's, It's good. It's good. It's good to know. It's good to know the numbers. I... I am not rooting for the Spurs failure. This is this is the way that I fan. I I support the team. I want the team to do well. I don't root against guys. I don't root for them to fail. Marco has tested me some this year. <laughs> I'll admit, but I'm not rooting for him to be so bad that he's benched. When he's on the court, I want the Spurs to do well. I want him to score. I'd prefer you'd be on the court less often, but I'm not the coach. So here we go. Well, I think what we both want is that Lonnie Walker or Damari Carroll play so well that Marco doesn't get minutes. Unfortunately, it has not happened just yet. Yeah, and so it's hard to call out Marco because who are they going to put in? Right. And Pop's got a, 
a confidence level with Marco. It's his second stint with the team. He wouldn't. The Spurs don't often do retreads, mm-hmm. and and uh, Marco's form is not necessarily indicative of how good a shot it is for him. I get that. I mean, I'm frustrated with him when it looks like he just flings the ball because when he actually, whether he squares up or not, when he actually tries or when he looks at the, at the net, it's nice when he looks at the rim, he, he, he threw a ball up. He didn't even turn around his head for did barely even anyway, third or fourth quarter against the wizards. That was, that was, that was a bad call. That was a bad shot, but he is who he is and pops comfortable with him at that point. It's not like, there's this massive expected jump that's going to be made in, in the player and the, in the possibilities for the Spurs with another player out there. So, I mean, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. This is, this is not like I I'm against DeMar. It's just really not working. And I, and I, I, I think it's finally becoming clear where the Spurs defensive issues originate because all of the players on this team, besides the rookies, and essentially Lonnie, have have shown that they're capable and and are just being dragged down as a unit. I mean, you don't get there from one guy, but one guy can start it. And uh and it's definitely snowballing at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if you had a slightly different roster, if you had uh defensive like a real uh, defensive two sandy green were still on the team for instance mm. uh, demar would look a lot better um you could put rudy gay on one side and danny on the other and and probably be able to mitigate a lot of what um demar's limitations are especially if they had Derek or Dejounte at the point but that's not the team they have and the team they have needs um their best or second best player however you want to work that out in your head to commit to playing every play on defense period um, it doesn't appear that's possible, though. And so um, the Spurs need to figure out a positive way to to move forward um, that doesn't hopefully include losing the next um, carry the two sixty seven games. No, ouch! Don't do that. I hate to do it. This this is my official vote of no confidence in Demar Derozan and and in the team's overall success. Yeah, as long as he's playing this kind of defense or I guess we could put it another way as long as it's Amar or Rosen I prefer <laughs> I'd prefer I'd prefer to play to watch the team play together for each other supporting one another working hard on every play So that's going to do it for this episode of Superfluous Poppycock. Until next time, keep it safe and let it fly.